0: I just actually want to just talk to you guys a little bit, and I hope this is okay. This is a little bit different than what we've done before, but I just want to take a moment and just talk to you, and in summer, you know, summer attendance can be kind of questionable. You know, a lot of people are out on vacation. A lot of us have been out that second Sunday. I was away, and you know, it's, it just happens. People go on vacation, which is great. We should take time with our family. We should take time to relax and to unplug, and that's what happens in the summer months, and so even right now, PTC, where we meet here at the school, they're on break, so our college students aren't even here today. And so just in the summer, we've relaxed things. And I just wanted to share with you from my heart today. And I just wanted to share something that God spoke to me over the last couple of weeks and just something God's been doing in my heart. I really believe for us as a church and you individually, it's something that really God could use to speak to you as well. And so God speaks to us in all different ways. There's not one specific way God speaks to us. Matter of fact, you know, there are the obvious ways where, yes, in God's word, absolutely, the Bible is number one way God speaks to us is getting into his word, reading scripture, seeing how God speaks to us or confirms things in our lives or things that he asks us to do or the standard he's asked us to live. We we read about that in God's word. Many times in prayer, prayer is another way that God can speak to us. And when we pray, it's not just simply a one-way conversation, but many times when we spend time in prayer with God, God will speak to us or confirm something in our heart. And I've never heard an audible voice before, but I maybe some people have. I've never heard God speak to me in an audible way, but I've heard God give me impressions or even like journaling. Maybe that's some way that God can speak to you as well, that if you when you spend time in prayer and then you write down some thoughts or write down some things that God is speaking to your heart. There's all different ways. And matter of fact, it goes beyond that. If you take a look in the scripture, there is not one way that God speaks to people. Matter of fact, one time he showed up and spoke to Moses in a burning bush. There was just fire and God spoke through that. One time God wrote on a wall. I imagine that got people's attention. Can you imagine sitting in the living room like chilling, chilling, watching some Netflix and just some writing shows up on the wall? That would probably get your attention. But God did that. He spoke to people in that way. God speaks through all different ways. When we look at the word of God, there's not, he actually spoke through a donkey once. He spoke through a donkey to get someone's attention. There's all different ways, and I believe the same is true today. There's not one way that God can speak to us. Jesus says in scripture that my sheep will know my voice. So what does that mean? Jesus is comparing himself to a shepherd, and we are his sheep. And why does God use that analogy all the time? Because sheep are dumb animals. So you can make the correlation there and why he calls us that, right? At least I can identify with that. And so he calls us his sheep, and he's the good shepherd. He's looking out for us. He has our best interests at heart. And so when he says that, my sheep will know my voice. Why do the sheep know the voice of the shepherd? It's because of familiarity, right? Because the sheep have been around the shepherd. They've spent time with him. They know that the shepherd's not going to leave them over a cliff, right? The shepherd's not going to leave them out for a wolf or a bear or a lion or whatever is out there, whatever danger they're facing. The shepherd's job is to protect them through that, to shepherd them through that. In the same way, Jesus is our shepherd looking out for our best interest. And so we can know his voice. Why? Because of familiarity and being around him. And so the last couple of weeks, I've just really felt God speaking to me. And specifically, I had this moment where I was out driving. I don't know if you've ever had that before, where you're just driving, minding your own business. And I just really felt God's voice. And what happened, I was driving on a road that I have never been in, southwest Pennsylvania before, just driving through this road. And I come up over the hill, and there's this beautiful red brick home. It was gorgeous. And I'm just, I'm a sucker for red brick houses anyway, but this one just really caught my attention. Probably like 100-year-old, probably associated with like some farmland back in the day, and I remember just seeing this house, and it was one of those houses like, you know, when they really put a lot of attention to detail, and craftsmanship was, they just didn't slap them together like they do now, right? It wasn't like build a box, put some sliding on it, and boom, we're done, right, move in. No, I mean, you could just really tell the architecture, the time, the detail, the attention that went into this was extraordinary. It was just really beautiful, and in that moment, I just felt God speak to me, and I just started thinking, I'm like, you know what? The people who built that house, they're long gone. I mean, the people who put all of that work, all of that effort, all of that detail, and, and see, they probably had a little bit of money to be able to do it too, because that wouldn't have been cheap by any standards to be able to have, hire someone at that level of craftsmanship. But they're long gone, and whatever investment that they made, whatever they did to to build that, whatever it took financially to do that, whatever planning and effort they put in, and obviously they were very good at what they did to be able to build such a beautiful home. But in that moment, I just felt God asking me in that moment what I was building with my life. See, because I don't know if you know this, every single one of us, we are building something with our lives. We're building something with our lives. Now, you could build your body, right? Maybe you're a bodybuilder and you just put the work in. You're pumping the iron. You do, you know, you really put the hours in the gym and you come out looking like me, right? That's what you do. You're, you're building. Why are you guys laughing? You just really put that effort. Right? You could build your body. Maybe you build a career and you just you build that and it's something that you put the effort into and in getting to that next place, that next rung on the ladder, that next success. You know, following that, chasing after, it, getting it. Or maybe maybe like someone who built that home that I saw. That you really just building your home, building your family, building your nest. And and there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing even wrong with building that beautiful brick home that I saw, but we're all building something with our lives. And so I want to take a look at this verse because there's this guy named Peter in the Bible, and he, I'm sorry, Paul, not Peter, another P, Paul, and he says that he is a master craftsman. So take a look at this first verse in 1 Corinthians. It says this, Using the gift that God gave me, I did the work of an expert builder. So Paul is saying here that I did the work of He's not saying that he built a structure or built a home, but he's saying the things that God asked him to do, the ministry that he did, that Paul traveled all over the known world at that time, expanding the kingdom of God, telling people about God, telling people about Jesus, starting churches everywhere that he went. He was all about doing God's business. And so he's saying he was an expert builder, but then this is... the warning he gives at the end of this verse but each of you must be careful of how you build and see so I want to start by the same question that I felt God asking me and I want to ask this question to you today is what are you building with your life what are you building with your life if you were really to take a look if you were really to examine and ask yourself the question what are you building with your life See, Paul knew that he was an expert builder, that he put the work, that he put the effort, that it was something that he was intentional with. And then he challenges us to ask us the questions to be careful how we build. So what are we building with our lives? There are basically three things we can do with our lives, three things. The first one is we can waste it. We can waste our lives and we could just do whatever, just veg out, not participate, not do anything, just kind of coast through, just live life and just lowest common denominator, less friction, whatever, just totally waste our life. The next thing we can do is we can spend our lives and we can spend our lives on a lot of things, right? We can spend our life pursuing things, acquiring things, acquiring wealth, pursuing careers, building a family, watching movies, reading books, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with with spending our life but there are just be honest there are a lot of options especially in our culture in this day and age I mean just take a pick there are so many things that we can spend our lives on so that's the second thing first thing we can waste it second thing we can spend it and the third thing that we can do with our lives is we can invest it we can invest it. And so what does it mean to invest our lives? Well, simply an investment is something that you just don't spend because when you spend on something, right, it's just, it's just gone. If I go and I buy something at the store, if I go spend some money on it, there's no return on that. It's just, it's gone, right? I, I don't get anything back other than maybe if I bought some delicious food, there was a quick return, but there's no long-term return. There's usually some short gratification that comes with it. I mean, even if I were to spend money on something like a car, the car is gonna eventually, yeah, I got some years out of it, but eventually it's gonna wear down and it's going to be gone, right? And so to invest something, there's some kind of return that'll be a long-term gain. And so I really want to dive in on this today, that we can invest our lives, not simply waste our lives, not simply spend. And there's nothing wrong with spending. Matter of fact, I think God wants us to spend our life. He wants us to enjoy life, that he has given us things that he wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy time together. There's nothing wrong with having things or having homes or having cars or any of that. That's not what this message is at all. But I really believe that we have to be intentional to not simply spend, to not simply waste our lives, but to be intentional to make an investment. And the best investment that we can make is something that outlasts us. See, just like I saw that house up on that hill, just like I saw that beautiful red brick home, just like I saw that it outlasted that person's life, that, yeah, that house is a part of their legacy. But guess what? that house won't last forever. Eventually, it's going to come down. It won't be able to stand forever. No no structure can. And it's just like anything that we can spend our life on. None of it will truly last. The only investment that we can really make that will last forever is to invest into the kingdom of God. So what does it look like to invest our lives into a long-term, long-gain investment into the kingdom of God? See, what happens is something so counter-cultural is that in our culture, in our society today, I don't even need to go long into this. We are told it is all about us. Everything that we can pursue, all of our desires, everything that we want, everything that we can acquire, just get the best life, the most comfortable life. And see, the kingdom of God is kind of the opposite of that because the kingdom of God says, it's not what I want. It's not what I want to pursue, but it's saying, God, what do you want? Matter of fact, I think Jesus demonstrated this the best at the end of his life, his time here on earth. See, Jesus knew that he was about to face a brutal death on the cross. And I mean, who wants to go through that? No one. No one is like, hey, sign me up. I can't wait. Crucify me on this thing. Nail me to this cross. Can't wait. This is gonna be great. No, Jesus was in anguish because he was fully man and fully God. And when he gets to that moment, knowing that he gets to give his life, what are the words? What is what does he say? He says, Not my will, but your will be done. And see, that's the essence of what we're talking about when we're talking about investing into the kingdom of God. It's not what I want. It's not how I can fill my cup. It's not how I can pad my life and make my life better. No, no, no. It's simply understanding and saying, God, you know what? Here's all the things I want. Here's the desires. Here's what I would like to see happen. But you know what? I'm going to put that all aside and say not what I want, but you want. There's a few other people who demonstrated this beautifully in the Bible. When Jesus was here, he was started his ministry and he decided he had to build a posse because, I mean, come on, you're not really legitimate until you have that posse, right? And so Jesus builds his group of people who we know as the disciples, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those guys, right? All the disciples that he called to follow him and he was going to teach about God's kingdom and to do ministry and to, to follow after him and to live like him. And so what does he do? He does something unthinkable. And if you think about the guys that he picked, it wasn't like he just went into the city and just found some guys who were laying around just doing nothing, right? He didn't find some people who were just wasting their lives and just, just you know, felt bad because they needed something to do. It wasn't like they were just like fresh out of college and had their resumes all printed up and just being like, man, I hope someone comes by and finds me. No, these were guys who had careers. They were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. And they were out fishing and Jesus comes to them and he said, hey, hey, hey! I know that you're doing this and you, and, and you think of what he was asking them. Hey, I know that you're doing this and you're providing for your family and you've got to make a living and this is what you do. But he asked them to put the nets down and to come and follow him. And I think that is the essence of what it looks like to invest our lives to build God's kingdom. Does that mean that God is going to call us to walk away from whatever it is that we're doing, whatever our equivalency of casting nets, you know, putting out the fish, you know, fishermen? I'm not saying that he will, but he might. He might ask you to walk away from everything and to pursue following after him. But see, whatever it is, we have to be willing to invest our lives, to put his kingdom first. Because everything else that we can spend our life on, none of it will last. None of it will last. I love what this verse says in the book of Matthew. Jesus is talking to some people about earthly possessions and earthly wealth. And he talks about how it's not going to last. If you could put this verse up for us. In Matthew 6, it says this Don't store up your treasures here on earth, where moths eat and rust destroy them, and where thieves break it and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break it and steal. Wherever your treasure is, don't miss this, there the desires of your hearts will also be. Where is our treasure? What has our hearts? When we ask the question, what are we building with our lives? We start with this question of asking, what has our heart? What has our heart? Where is your treasure? Because everything that we build up, everything that we try to establish, all the things that we want, all the things that we crave. Someone even helped me out one time. They're like, you know, all that stuff that you want, all those things that you crave, you know, that new phone that you really got to save up and getting and all those things that you want, and all those things you desire. Yeah, all of that's going to end up in a landfill someday. Kind of put some, some perspective on it, right? You don't think about that, but it will. It's all going to be gone. Nothing's going to last. None of the wealth that we have. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes even goes deeper into this and basically calls all the things that we acquire, all the things that we pursue, all the things that we want, all the things we chase after. It just says it's vanity. It says it's worthless. It's meaningless because you're here one moment and gone the next and you can't take any of it with you and you don't know how long you're going to get to enjoy it. Matter of fact, the people that you leave it to, who knows if they'll even enjoy any of the hard work and everything that you've invested into this. And so I think this verse really shows to us that it's not just simply about acquiring all of these things. It's not simply about all the things that we can build, all the things that we can do, all the things that we can achieve, all the things we can accomplish, but understanding the long game. We can waste it, we can spend it, or we can invest it. And if we choose to invest it, choose to take the long game, I truly believe that we will see God do amazing things with our lives. Because yes, it was really hard for those disciples to walk away. Yes, it was really hard for them to put down those nets, all the questions they had been asked. How am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to provide? What am I going to do now? And just to simply walk away and say, yes, I'm going to make my life a long-term investment for the kingdom of God. They could have never imagined what God would do in their lives. They could have never imagined what that up-close relationship with Jesus would have done. They could have never imagined That 2,000-some years, how many ever long years it has been since they walked this earth, that there are a group of us now sitting in this room at PTC, and if we could just link it back and somehow be able to figure it all out and map it all back, that there were a group of people who said yes to Jesus, and because they said yes to Jesus, every single one of us, every single person who has said yes to relationship with Jesus has found the relationship with God. It's because someone else said yes, and it started all the way back there with them. So before we get too much further with this, I know this is hard because sometimes this can trip us up because now it sounds like, okay, Brian's just saying like, we just go sell it all and we don't accrue anything and we can't have houses and cars and we shouldn't worry about money or anything. That's not what I'm saying at all. Matter of fact, a little bit further in this chapter, he continues and says in the end of Matthew 6, take a look at this verse, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then what? And all these things will be given to you as well. So see, he's saying that it's not just simply about, hey, you just get rid of it all. You're just, you know, just some crazy zealot who just lives for me and you're a hermit and you can't have any stuff. That's not what God is saying. A matter of fact, he's saying if you seek me first and put me first and you desire me first and put me, make me your treasure. Remember where your treasure is has your heart. So if I have your heart, if you're putting me first, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah, I'll give you that as well. But that can't be your first priority. It can't be what truly has your heart. It can't be what your treasure is. And so it's not just simply walking away from everything and saying it's just pointless to have any of those things and to have wealth and to have careers and have families and have homes. God wants us to have those things. God, he says the good father wants his children to have good gifts. God wants us to have good gifts. This is not an issue of what we have. It's an issue of what has us. You see the difference? What has your heart? What are you building with your life? See, as I take a look at what we've done here at Tree Line, and I said, you know, we're we're just about a year into this thing. Not quite. We're we're just short of a year. End of September. And I take a look at at what we're trying to build and what we're trying to do. And if you've been around any length of time, you've probably heard us say why we're doing this and, and what this is about. But it's not just simply that we decided, hey, you know what? We think it would be really cool if there was another church here. We thought, you know what, we're not doing anything else. Let's just, let's just be awesome. We'll just be this cool church that comes in. That's not what it's about whatsoever. See, we recognize that just like some people who decided to follow Jesus had to make some hard choices and lay some things down in their life in order to advance the kingdom of God, that some things have not changed. That in the kingdom of God, God is still looking for some people who are willing to make some hard choices to put themselves and their desires second to what he is asking them to do. And see, my family, myself and christy we believe that God has challenged us, had called us to uproot our family, to relocate, to walk away from two really incredible full-time jobs. Maybe even feeling a little bit of that pressure like the disciples did in that moment. Oh God, this is how we take care of our family. We kind of need a paycheck, you know, to have a roof and food, you know, those kind of really fun things that are great to have. And so we decided to answer that call and to follow God and to say yes to starting a church in Pittsburgh and just really believing that God had put a dream and a vision in our hearts for the next generation, saying, God, there are so many people who are far from you. There are so many people who have yet to have a relationship with you. There are so many people who have yet to experience the good news of who Jesus is. And that God totally transforms and changes our lives. And if you've had that experience before, you know that when Christ enters your life, when you surrender to him, the amazing thing, the beautiful thing happens, that you're totally free from that past life. That it's not about the guilt and the shame and having to be good enough and having all the answers and being this perfect person and perfect Christian. It's not about that whatsoever. It's just simply about the goodness of who Jesus is, that he loves you, that he wants relationship with you, and that he's pursuing you with all of his heart. And when you know that good news and you know what he's done for you, it's really hard to just sit on that. It's really hard to not get up and pursue Jesus when he says, hey, hey, I know what you're doing there, and that's great, but are you willing to walk away from what you're spending your life on? Are you willing to instead invest in something else for a long-term gain? You see, friends, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing as a church. As we're choosing to say, yeah, we could waste our life, and yeah, we're still going to spend our life on some things, I mean, my family, we're spending vacation. We're doing things together. We're going to go, we're going to have a good time. We love our girls. We we still, you know, we have a home. We have cars. We have all of those things. We're still going to pursue those things, but it's not going to be the center of what has our heart. That's not going to be where our treasure is. Our treasure is going to be that long-term investment. Saying that we're going to pour and give our lives into something that's much bigger than what we can spend our lives on. And that's investing into the kingdom of God. What does investing in the kingdom of God look like? What does that look like practically for us? That if we have said yes to following Jesus and we understand that we can waste it, spend it, or invest it, and we choose to build our life and we choose to build the kingdom of God, what does that look like? Well, it looks like starting honestly in in our homes. No matter where you are in your home, if if you're single, if you're married, if you're married, you got kids, or your kids are grown and you're gone, or you've never had kids, Wherever it is, it starts by building the kingdom of God in your home. It looks like putting Christ at the center of your life. If it's single, that means putting Christ at the center of your life while you're single and living a life frame, recognizing that right now while you are single, you have more capacity to serve God than ever, ever in your life. Right now, you have more to give to God, more to invest. And see, the potential is, is that you also have more time to waste or to spend, but you have a choice when you're single to say that I'm going to invest it. Spending time with God, telling him about others, putting him at the center. If you're married, putting Christ at the center of your marriage. If you have kids, setting an example for our children that we're building God's kingdom, that yeah, we're going to spend our life and we're going to do things, we're going to enjoy lives, but that's not what it's about. That we're putting Christ first, that we're making him a priority, that we're setting him as a priority in our schedules and what we say for our kids and what we have them do and what we show them by example. Because nothing you can say to your kids will ever compare to how you lead them by the way you live your lives. And that should be a somber <laughs> it should be a sobering moment for us as parents. Because, yeah, they hear your words, but they are watching. They are watching and they're learning from what you're doing, from what we're doing. And so building God's kingdom starts in our homes. It starts in our homes. It starts by putting him first, by making him a priority in our lives, by making him a priority with our resources. Really, they say there's two things that really show what has our heart. It's our checkbook and it's our calendar. Can we just be honest in here for a moment this morning? I mean, that really shows what we're passionate about, shows where our treasure really is, what we're willing to invest and build our lives into. So it starts by building God's kingdom, by putting him first, putting him at the center of our lives. And it also looks by investing into our community and realizing, having that moment where we recognize that it's not just all about us, but there are people in our communities. There are students in our schools that you have co-workers. Matter of fact, did you know that what you do, that all of us, no matter who you are, you are called to serve God. You are called to build his kingdom. A lot of times there's this misconception. It's like, oh, well, Brian, he's the pastor, so that, that's his job. No, no, no. See, there's a difference between our occupation and our vocation. See, all of us are called to serve God. Matter of fact, the word of God says that whatever you put your hands to do, you're not just simply doing it for your boss. You're doing it as if you were doing it for the Lord. So your boss, whether you have a great boss or that boss is a jerk, it doesn't matter. You're not doing it for them, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you make donuts. It doesn't matter if you're in law enforcement. It doesn't matter if you're in education. It doesn't matter if you're an engineer. It doesn't matter what you are doing. Whatever it is that you are doing, you are doing it for God. And so you are building God's kingdom, does that mean like you're going in, you're like making the donuts and you're preaching to Jesus? No, that's probably not what it's going to look like. But it looks like you're representing Christ. And there should be something that people notice about you that if you are following after Christ and you're putting God first in your life, that's going to start reflecting in your choices, your values, your ethics, the way you treat people, the way you react to others. And I guarantee you, if you start living your life like that, people are going to start wondering, like, what what is going on with them? They'll start noticing that you are not just living for you, but you're making a long-term investment building God's kingdom. And finally, the last way that I want to talk to you today that we can make that investment to build God's kingdom, asking ourselves that question, what are we building our lives with? Are we wasting it? Are we spending it? Are we investing it? The third thing that we can do, remember, it starts in your home, starts in your community, those around you, and then finally it starts with us as a church. See, as I shared that story as we made some hard choices to walk away from something, and we had a good thing going on. It wasn't like we were looking to punch our ticket and get out of there. No, we had a great thing going, great season, great family, friends, a lot of things going on in our lives, and it was really hard to put those nets down and walk away and follow Jesus when he said, come follow me. But see, here's the thing. God is not just simply calling me. He's not just simply calling my family to put down the nets. He's not simply just calling us to make that long-term investment. He's calling each of us today to make that investment. So together as a church, recognizing that it's not just about what happens in here in this room on Sunday, but if we could just zoom out and zoom up and get that Google Maps view, right? And just really see high above and see all of the communities around us and see those people who are far from God, see those students who have never had a relationship with Jesus, see people who are hurting who need to hear that there's a God who created them and loved them and has a plan for them and a purpose for them. To have someone come around them and say, you know what, this isn't about you and you don't have to carry this weight anymore. You don't have to carry this guilt. You don't have to carry the shame. You don't have to carry the hurt, the pain someone, something did to you, whatever happened, whatever the situation, a life without God, living in that hopelessness. And if there's home after home and school, after school and work building, after work building, a full of people who are far from God. Because just like I shared that those disciples, those 12 men decided to walk away from everything, to not just simply spend their life, but to invest it. Did you know that there are people who are directly responsible, that if you've said yes to relationship with Jesus, do you know why? It's because there are some people, some men and women who came before you, who came before me, and decided to follow Jesus and invest in the kingdom, and because of their investment. Now, some of you might know who those people are, but even if you know the people directly involved with that, you might not know the people who helped them in their relationship with God. You see where I'm going with this? That it is impossible to know all the people who have made selfless sacrifices, and because they didn't simply waste their life, because they didn't simply just spend their life, but they chose to invest their life, we are privileged to come to the news of who Jesus is and saying yes to a relationship with him. So I want to wrap up today and ask you to join us on this journey. To say, what are you building your life with? What are you building with your life? What are you doing with it? Are you willing to make the investment? Are you willing to say, not my will, but your will be done? Are you willing to say, it's not just about everything that I want, but I've got to make God a priority in building his kingdom? Are you willing to pay it forward and recognize that because of what Christ did, because of him giving his life and asking those people to follow after him and all the people that follow them and all the people that follow them all the way till you get to us now. Are you willing to continue that and say, you know what, God, because of who you are, because of what you've done for me, because of the way that you loved me, because of the way you gave your life for me, because you love me first, the word says we can love others. Are you willing to join us in that? See, it's why we talk so much about getting on the dream team and dream team dream team is all about teamwork makes the dream work but it's not just simply that. We want people living out their dreams because we believe there are two greatest days in your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. And that's why we do growth track and help people discover their purpose. Because we're looking for some people who come alongside of us and be a part of this dream and say, you know what, it's not just simply about my life. And it might be hard to walk away. It might be hard to make the time. It might be hard to make the sacrifice to give and to be part of something like this. But see, here's what I know. Just like those disciples could have never foreseen what God would do through them saying yes. You have no idea what one simple yes to following after God. One simple yes to making the investment. You will never know. I will never know on this side of eternity until I stand before Jesus one day and look him in the eyes and he recounts everything that I've done in my life and I can see the impact that we made in heaven. We will never know on this side of eternity what one simple yes to putting down the nets and following after Jesus. What are you building with your life? The band's going to come up and as we do, we're going to pray. And I know something, this can be sometimes really hard, and sometimes it can feel challenging. And I hope that you feel challenged today, honestly. Because, you see, when we understand that life, it's short. We don't have a lot of life. It's here. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's like a vapor. Here one day, gone in the next moment. Poof, it's gone. And see, we have a choice that we can make. That we can build something with our life, we can just decide to waste it, we can just decide to spend it all. But you know what? I don't believe in this, (laughs) this cultural lie that it's all just about acquiring everything we can, retiring comfortably, and just making our life as great as possible. I simply don't believe that's everything that God has for us. I believe that God has called us as Christ followers to invest our lives to invest our lives to say yes to following Him, to say yes to investing in the kingdom. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, and first and foremost, God, we just want to thank you from the depths of who we are. God, that you saved us, that you have forgiven us, that you loved us. God, your word says there is no condemnation in you. God, there is no guilt, there is no shame. God, that you don't hold our past against us, that you love us. So, God, we thank you. Lord, your word says that your mercy is new every single morning, every morning. God, and we thank you for that gift that you have given us of your love of your son, Jesus. Lord, and I thank you today as we ask that question what are we building with our life? God, sometimes it can become uncomfortable. Sometimes it can feel uncomfortable. Sometimes we can feel challenged. But God, it's not about guilting anyone. It's not about shaming anyone, Lord. It's about realizing that we only have a limited amount of time on this earth. We only have a limited amount of capital, of equity with our lives. God, help us to be people who don't simply waste and don't simply spend everything and have everything spent and our life ends and then we are gone and no one even knew that we were here. But God, instead, let us make that long-term investment to do the thing that sometimes is uncomfortable, that when you call those disciples and say, hey, come follow me. And God, maybe even today, there are those here today who are hearing those words, and once again, they're feeling that tug on their heart. They're feeling that tug in their spirit. Jesus, where you've been calling them, where you've been calling them, You put those desires in their heart, that gifting inside of them, that ability inside of them, and you're hearing it once again, or maybe for the first time, God, they're feeling that tug of you saying, hey, I see everything you've got in your hands there, and that's great what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm going to ask you to put some of that down so that you can follow me, so that you can make a long-term investment with your life. And if you're willing to make that long-term investment, you will never know on this side of eternity what God can do through one simple yes. So Jesus, I pray that you would give us the boldness to say yes. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to say yes. God, I pray that you would give us the tenacity, the boldness, the audacity, God, to instead of just chasing everything that we want, everything that we were told is important in life, and God, instead make a long-term investment to build your kingdom. God, help us to start in our homes. God, whether we're single whether we're married, whether we have kids or our kids are grown and gone, wherever we are, our God, that we would put you first. God, that we would build your kingdom in our homes and our lives by the way that we treat people, by the way we represent you to others, by the way we put you first in our lives, by the way we make you priorities in our homes, by the way we spend time with you. God, may our eyes be open maybe for the first time to the plight of our communities, God, recognizing that there are so many. And God, it's so easy to get negative and say, oh, look at the path, our country's going down. Everyone's walking away from God. No one wants a relationship with him. All these churches are dying. And God, we can throw a pity party as Christians or we could stand up and say, no, we're not gonna let this happen. We're gonna ramp up the investment. Because your word says, God, what the enemy meant for harm, you will use for good, Lord. And so God, I pray that there'll be some people who will step up and make an investment. Their eyes will be open today, open today to those in their community, in their workplace, in their schools, with their neighbors who are far from you, who we can build your kingdom by investing into others. And God, finally, I pray for us as a church today. God, maybe people have been here for months. Maybe this is the first time that it's beginning to click for them why we're doing this. God, I pray that as a church, God, that this would not just be about us. Lord, this isn't about moving in the community and trying to be the latest and greatest thing. This isn't about building a name for myself as the wonderful Pastor Brian, the awesome Tree Line Church. God, it is not about that at all. God, I could care less if anyone knows my name. I could care less if there's any recognition for us as a church. I could care less if we ever get any kind of recognition on a website or a blog or anything like that. Lord, this is only simply about building your kingdom. God, this is simply about sheer obedience of being willing to put down the nets, being willing to lay down what is in our hands and picking it up and following after you and saying, you know what? I'm going to do something about this because, God, you loved me so much in my mess, in my sin, in my pain, in my anguish that you loved me so much and you didn't care what I was going through. You didn't care the mess that I was. You don't care about the mess that I am, but you are pursuing me and you love me. And because of the love that you have for me, because you laid down your life for me, I will lay down my life for you and I will make the investment. Jesus, help us as a church. Hear our prayers today, Lord. Use us as Tree Line Church. Use us in our humble beginnings and our humble resources. God, because though they may be small and though it may seem trite in the eyes of man, God, your word says with you, all things are possible. So we stand in faith today saying we will make the investment. God, when we ask the question, what are we building with our lives Lord, with confidence, let us say that we are building your kingdom. <laughs> Jesus, I just thank you. We just give you praise and we give you glory. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today, I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe as we're sitting here and talking about this today and we're talking about what are you building your life with, what are you doing with your life? And we're even talking about the forgiveness and the love of God. And maybe that's something you've never experienced. Maybe you're still carrying an incredible burden or you're carrying this, this thought or this thing that you have to be good enough, that you have to earn God's love, that you have to be in a certain place to really be able to be worthy of it. And that's not what God tells us at all, that none of us are worthy. None of us can earn it. None of us deserve a relationship with him. It's not that some people are more special than others or have it figured out. It's simply surrender to him just like we talked about those people in the bible who laid down their nets they walked away from everything sometimes it's simply understanding that it's surrendering your life to him and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm not good enough. I can't earn this. God, this weight has been too heavy. I've been trying to do it. I've been trying to fix it. I've been trying to fix this. I've been trying to fix my marriage. I've been trying to be good enough. I've been trying to overcome this sin pattern or this addiction. And you got to hear me say that you can't be good enough. You can't be strong enough. It is simply through the work of the cross and what Jesus has done in surrendering your life to him. He wants you to just come and give it to him today. If that's you, while no one's looking around. If for the very first time, or maybe you want to recommit and rededicate your life to him, maybe you walked away, maybe things got harder, life just became challenging. Or I don't know what the circumstance or the situation is, but God was never angry at you. He was never upset at you. He was never mad at you. He's a good father who loves you always waiting for you to return home to him. So if that's you today, while no one's looking around, for the very first time, or maybe a recommitment, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up if you want to say yes to relationship with God. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see those hands. Awesome. We're going to pray this out loud together so no one prays alone. And if you raised your hand, or you should have, I'm going to ask you to pray along. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer? Make some noise for those. It says in the Bible that even if one person makes a decision to come to Christ, all of heaven rejoices. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.